0: Welcome back to Rogue Bogues episode 36 of the Basketball Series. Myself, Andrew Bogut and Mike Procopio. Back on the airwaves, how you going pro?
1: Bogues, everything's good man. Just uh, enjoyed our off season. I felt like we played in the Olympics and then we have to report to training camp like three weeks later. It wasn't much of an off-season. We had, what, like three weeks off, four nah, weeks off?
0: Yeah, about a month. We had a full month. Got to, you know, go to the beach, have some beers, do all that fun stuff that you do during uh, the off-season. <laughs> get in trouble, get in trouble, get a few DUIs and yeah. all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, did you stop talking to your team and force a trade in the off-season, Bugs? Or, <laughs> no, or are you good?
0: Still working on I'm holding out. I'm still not reporting.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, we'll make it work.
0: Yeah, a lot a lots been going on um, around the world. We're still stuck in in COVID here in Australia. Pro's been giving me shit for doing all my um, <laughs> my COVID rants and videos. I'm just trying to, you know, get my get my point of view out there, which is a little bit different from mainstreams. Pro, so don't don't kill me too much.
1: Ah, folks, come on, you know we just talk shit.
0: We do. You, you talk a lot of shit. You talk a lot of shit, but so do I. So, so it's a, it's a great working relationship. But, um, the reason why we're on this one is to talk basketball. So a lot, a lot has been going on. It went pretty quiet, actually. So we timed our off season well because there wasn't a whole lot going on in, in early September, kind of when we took our hiatus, which was planned because we just didn't want to talk shit for two hours about nothing because there ho- wasn't a whole lot of news and it was kind of a dead period. So we had about a, we've got about a month's worth of news in today's um, podcast, but it starts basically and ends in my opinion with, Obviously, the coronavirus and the vaccines and the vaccine mandates now. For people who haven't followed this, I'm, I'm pro-choice pro. I, 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 I'm not sure what your position is. I'm pro-choice that everybody has a choice whether to get it or not. I don't know where you sit on that.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm pro-choice. I think you should have a choice. Now, I understand definitely what people want. Like People want others to get vaccinated. My my feeling is, look, if you're afraid of what's inside the, inside of it because it's not tested- you don't want your wife taking it because you're pregnant, you know, she's pregnant. You don't know about mutation in kids and what it does or what it doesn't do. <laughs> I get that. If you're not doing it for, you know, that reason, if you're not doing it because you don't want to be controlled by the government, that's sort of where I have an issue. Or there's a microchip inside of it. Like, if you're afraid of it, what's inside? That's, that's un. Unbel- that's, that's a hundred percent. Like, I could see that, but like, if you're not afraid of what's in it, and you're just like holding out because fuck the government on one end or another, eh, I, I have a I have an issue with that. Just in case you do get it, God forbid, and then you get in no, a you know. You get like in a hospital or something, you take up a bed when you could have just vaccinated. You weren't afraid of it. You just didn't want to do it because you want to stand up to the government or, or you want to be tough on social media and say that. I, I don't know. That's where I sort of have a little bit of an issue. Hey, look, everybody's got their own choice. They're going to do what they're going to do anyway. No one's, no one can force you at this point in time to do it. And, oh, well, <laughs> I guess we'll get into it. But, um, I am pro choice though. I think you should be, I'm not going to hold it against you if you get it or not get it. That's on you.
0: Uh, that's that's sort of how i feel yeah fair enough i mean i i disagree a little bit with mm-hmm. you know the gov- i think the government mandating things like this. To the extent that they are, I, I heavily disagree with. I don't believe in the whole microchip thing and all that. I agree with that, but there are people out there that are concerned about, you know, if, if, if I do this, then what else, what are the other, what other things will be brought in in the future? So, I definitely hear those concerns and I think, I just think it's a choice. I don't think you should um, lose your livelihood or your job based on on a, on a vaccine. But what was interesting about it was this was this was every journalist's first question oh, at NBA Media Day and it just absolutely did my head in because all they wanted, they wanted that, that player that said they haven't got it or or they wanted the dream on green or bradley Beal quote and and they were just they were just it was just bad it's 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 the, it's the, <laughs> the elite, elitist white liberal journalist that's just you know and it really bothered me a little bit um to that extent and i think some players that pushed back um and made very you know very good comments around it um on my list which we'll get to a bit later but yeah it's just an interesting time the union the nba union <laughs> And the NBA somewhat have claimed that 90 to 95% of players have been vaccinated. I'm not buying that, bro, at all. I'm not buying that. You're not, you're not selling me on that that five percent, you know, between five and ten percent have not been. I know for a fact I know some players that haven't haven't been for whatever reasons they have, but I think from what I've read and what I've researched and reached out to a few players. It's essentially currently an honor system pro. So, I believe they're asking players whether they've been vaccinated. And I think this is some clubs, I'm not sure if it's a majority, that the player says yes or no. And that's a, that's a tick. Um, <laughs> so, I know some yeah, teams have, Abby, not, they have not asked for, for proof. The other interesting one is there's a certain g- general manager out west saying there's rumors that I've we've both heard from, from people um, that – he had, you know, there's a certain team out west that had a number of kind of vax hesitant people that, that signed with that team that all of a sudden had been vaccinated. And, and, and the wording, yeah. the rumor goes that the, the GM of that team has said, listen, we'll, we'll protect you. Just say you've had it. Um, and why am I saying this? Because I just don't believe that. I don't believe the 90% number. You're not selling me on that. I, I, think, no. I think it's closer to 70, maybe 60, 70, maybe 80 but yeah. there's a lot of people that are hesitant and, and rightfully so. I, I have no issue with that. If people don't want to get it, to, to me, that's that's their decision, like I've said earlier. But, yeah, the NBA selling this, I'm, I'm just not sure about those numbers, bro.
1: No, the, the number's totally bullshit. I mean, it's totally bullshit, especially if you're going on an honor system. If you talk to half the NBA people, and I'm talking about players, coaches, management, half of them, if they told me today was Saturday- I'll go home and check a calendar because I they, I can't believe a fucking word they'd say anyway. There's no fucking chance if they're going on our system, they just don't want the the brush back exactly. and they want the numbers to get higher. Yeah, no fucking doubt.
0: Yeah, exactly, and, and and that's it's a push to try and get you know everyone else in the league that isn't onto that onto that boat. But there were some, you know, there's, there's some players out there that um, were pr- kind of staunchly against it publicly about a year ago that now all of a sudden a GM sat down with him and said, oh, you know, you should do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, because the GM said I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not, I'm not behind that, bro. Not for a minute.
1: No, fuck no. And the, the GM's going to talk to him and they're going to say, hey, look, just say it. It's honor system. It's not like anybody's going to check. And that's sort of the deal. We we look good by having a ninety to ninety five percent number, you know, a ninety percent number, whatever it is, and just do it. No one's going to say anything about it. Just give them name, rank, and serial number when it comes to you know media day. Just say you ha- had it, and we'll protect you, and 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 we're just going to move on.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um, this this then brings us into the statement which was released by um, Mr. Is it Mike Bass, yeah, with the NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. He basically said, "A any player who elects not to comply with local vaccination mandates will not be paid for the games that he misses." Um, in a statement to the media, third day of training camp, a vaccine mandate for NBA players would need an agreement with the players' association. The NBA has made these proposals, but the players' union has rejected any vaccination requirement. It's interesting because, you know, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Kyrie Irving are probably the two most, the two biggest names that have publicly came out and said that they, you know, they don't want to get it. Andrew Wiggins tried for a lit- religious exempt- exemption and they slapped that down pretty quickly. Kyrie Irving is, <laughs> is refusing to comment on all costs. I'm sure there's others, but the fact that they, you know, if they can't get to certain cities because of state mandates because uh, for people listening.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, it's actually city mandate. Uh, bogue speak you know, and this is where United States government's fucked up. you like no one has control over the other so not like the president can come out and say, look here's the like here's the laws that I want to do but then the state can go no fuck no the state we're gonna do whatever we want state of California we're gonna do it this way and then the city could say fuck the state we're gonna do, what we want, like, we're going to do what we want to do. So... Oh, wow. You got city as well there?
0: The, the we city, get city. The city and the so, state LA. Oh, wow.
1: Bogues, LA, you can play. San Francisco, you can't play. <laughs> That's how fucked up government is. And, 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 and in some ways, it protects from, like, a tyrant, dictator, president that just says, we're going to do this, or a oh, governor of a state. So, the city could be like, no, this is what we're going to mandate. So, yeah, LA... I think you're good. Sack, I think you're good. It's just Golden State is um you know, I think I think Golden State is where you're fucked.
0: Yeah, so he so for Wiggins' case he wouldn't be able to play home games, right?
1: Yes, you can't you cannot play home games. He will not get paid for home games. See, here's where I lie on it, folks. I, I am pro-choice. But I think your employer, however they're gonna do it, if they make a decision, whatever it is. And they're going to go, look, we have to abide by city ordinance. That's what our teams, are, our organizations are. If that's the rule, that's the rule. So, like, I don't think they should fire you. I don't think, and, and I don't think they should fire the nacho guy for not getting the vaccine. Like, if the nacho guy's going to get vaccinated, why do the fucking players have to do it? So, like, I don't mind jumping through some extra hoops if that's the case, if you're not vaccinated, if that's what they want to do. But I don't believe they should take your job because there are a lot of coaches. There's a lot of coaches that I know that and scouts that got fired for because they didn't want to take the vaccine. Literally, they just got let go. They gave them a year severance pay or whatever they did. But it was clearly because they didn't get the vaccine. And that's not right because you're not doing that to the player. I think it should be the same. The player makes more money than the fucking scout does. No question about it. Like for the league. But you're not telling me that a player's life is worth more than my life if we're working in the... We're, we're human beings. So if you're going to tell me I got to get it, why the fuck don't they have to get it? And vice versa.
0: So uh, that's team, where the team owners. Eight. Team owners might look at that differently, bro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, no, oh, no, look, no doubt about it. No, no, no fucking doubt so, about that, it. It's a, yeah, it's no, a no harsh doubt.
0: reality, yeah. but it's the truth.
1: No doubt. No question. Yeah. But... What are you going to do? But yeah, so they're going to have to miss. But but why
0: why can't – all right, let me argue the other side of this, right? Why can't those unvaccinated players – still have the same protocols they had in the bubble and not. So, So if you're saying that they can't enter certain states and whatnot, why can't they do have the same protocol? So, they go on the road, they're not allowed to leave the hotel room. I don't agree with all these, by the yeah. way, but I'm just I'm just playing the other side okay. of it. So, they're unvaccinated. Sure. Why can't they have those same protocols that they've been doing the last 18 months? So, do, do those protocols no longer work? Are the mask, social distancing?
1: I don't understand it because I'm almost positive. Don't quote me on it, but I'm almost positive fans in like Golden State – Fans will have to, like, just like all these fans, they either have to show vaccination card or, or proof of vaccination or a negative test within 24 hours. So my, th- my thinking is, if that's the case, and again, I have to check it, but I'm almost positive. If that's the case, why can't the player do the same thing? Stay in the hotel, do all that, get, get rapid tested before they get in the arena. If they're good, they're good. And now, now they enter the arena. I, I just that I don't understand why they just can't like you said, same rules as applies in the bubble in this past year. Just test every test fucking twenty times a day like they did this exactly. year. I don't That's I don't That's my get point. It. So yeah. if you're
0: if you're saying the those all, all those tests were appropriate back in the day, why aren't they not appropriate now then? because basically the vaccinated players are going to they're going to get out all those tests they're going to no longer have to do all the mandates all the extra bullshit the two tests a day the they're allowed to leave their you know hotel room they're allowed to do all that shit so that's my point it's like well it's one or the other so then you're either telling us that those those protocols were half pointless back in the day that we were just doing for theatrics or they they either worked or they didn't so if they worked if those theatrics and those those things those things worked you can implement them for the unvaccinated players that would be my 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 argument on all that but the the, interest, the interesting part with this is 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 what happens with you know I'm not I'm not a you know I don't know U.S. labor laws in detail, um, but I know for a fact that these players, whoever it is, Andrew Wiggins or Joe Blow, that are unvaccinated and then de- then don't get paid, their NBA contracts would not have that in them because they. W- a lot of these guys would have signed these contracts, um, you know, years ago. Wiggins' max deal was what's he third year, third year or fourth year of his max anyway. I'm not sure what the new NBA contracts would have, but I assume there'd be something with state ordinance or, or state health regulations that they've that they've thrown in there. But those older contracts, I'd be interested. To see if there's something in there around, you know, whether your employer, you know, wants to give you a mandatory vaccination to play, whether these players will go to a labor you know, like a labor law, um, go to court, fight it, saying that, you know, this is a restrained trade essentially because it it, it it wasn't in the contract.
1: Or arbitration maybe, but maybe there's some maybe there's some language in the contract, which I don't know, but maybe there's some language in the contract that like you know labor laws in states and cities are bide so you have to abide by those things i'm, I'm not sure Bogues, but like you still got to pay taxes you know in those cities and they're different like i think you have to go by their laws so if the laws are saying that you can't compete in this city if if that's the case i, I don't know folks. that's a good question um i'm pretty inter- I'm, I'm interested just like you are to so, to see how that plays out. Yeah, and
0: where a court rules on it, and if it does go to court. And then my follow-up to that is, in your opinion, where does and where should the NBA union stand on all this?
1: Well, the NBA union is definitely going to go by its players. They're going to try to get them every dime possible. It just makes them look good. Now, I think their president, I think she's leaving soon, isn't it? This might be her last year. I think they were voting somebody else in, but it makes her look weak if they're just going to like sit back and, and take it. But again, like, it's funny because everybody wants to be political and everybody wants to get on the right side of things. She might side with it because, again, if she, yeah, she'll side with the players. But then they're like, wait a minute, you know, are you against vaccinating? Like, so this is how fucking stupid our world is. Instead of saying, no, my job's to protect the players regardless. And, and then. If she's doing that job, and then somebody go, you know, somebody gives her shit in the media. A storm of people by saying, "Oh, you're against vaccination," blah blah blah. And then there's this big fucking war. This is the bullshit that we deal with in the world. Instead of like, hey, look, let's you know, let's figure something out, and we'll go from there. But now it's all these arguments. You try to play media trying to divide players and divide, you know, this vaccinated versus unvaccinated crowd. You know, where do you stand? It's all bullshit, but. You know, that's what, hey, fucking welcome to 2021.
0: Yeah, a lot of division. Uh, I think the union's job is to always protect the players and the players' uh, beliefs, the players' wants and needs. Whether you agree or disagree, as a union, that's your job. So, here in Australia, we had massive protests a couple of weeks ago in Melbourne, and it was a construction industry actually um, looted their own union headquarters.
1: (laughs) <laughs> no shit. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was very, really, very really interesting. They they tried to label it as right wing neo Nazis infiltrated the the construction workers protest and did it, but no, most people with half a brain know that there was a lot of people in that union that are frustrated that their union hasn't made a hard stance on it. They've kind of because they're in bed with the government, pretty messy. So this is a similar situation. You don't want to see from the union to union whether you agree or disagree. Needs to protect players at all costs. So. Michelle Roberts has kind of, her wording's been interesting. She made a comment saying, over 90% of our players are fully vaccinated. MBPA executive director Michelle Roberts told ESPN, nationally on average, only 55% of Americans are. The real story is not vaccination, not why vaccination isn't mandated in the NBA. The real story for proponents of vaccination is how can we emulate the players in the NBA? Now, we, we both question that number, but she's- Hasn't come out and said anything um, that I'll protect players at all costs that don't want to. It's kind of been a little bit murky, so I'm not sure if there's pushback there. Um, As you said from the NBA, there could be pushback from the vaccinated players that are on the board. Who knows? But yeah, an interesting time and a lot of division. Some comments I noted, the Dream on Green comments that came a couple of days ago, I think – to me, they ring true that he's had his vaccination reportedly um, and he just said that the Wiggins situation is, is up to Andrew Wiggins. It's his decision and, and he's hated how political it's become and I would agree with that. It's, it's it become so political that, you know, there's people out there saying that, well, you know, you're putting the community at risk when you're not. You're not putting the community at risk. This is the biggest misconception of the vaccination that I get real frustrated with is everything I've read, Pro, is that the vaccine is going to protect you and the one gripe that people that are vaccinated have against the unvaccinated is that like you said is 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 that there's a higher chance they might end up in hospital in, in the ICU and taken up a bed right that's the only argument so the people that are like oh I, I need to be afraid of the un, unvaccinated person if you're vaccinated no you shouldn't be you shouldn't be you've had your vaccination you're good to go and that's the the divide mentality now where you know <laughs> what I find funny is the equality spruikers of the last decade the the minority at all cost people are now literally wanting to shoot unvaccinated People on the street, and and that's you know it's just not right. I think it's it's all about pro choice. Look, are there ramifications of your choice at times? Yes. Should you lose your job? Absolutely not, in my opinion. But we agree to disagree on that. Pro Bradley Bill's comments, I think, were pretty pretty decent. Um, a lot of the sentiments is similar to mine. And Jonathan Isaac, I think, broke it down really well. And a point that he made, two points actually, is that he's you know for the guys that have had COVID, pro, um, it's it's noted and that the antibodies you get from from COVID are are you know, arguably better than the vaccine itself. Should they then be made to get the the vaccination? Pro,
1: I'm not smart enough to figure that one out, Boggs. I would. If, if that's again- true, if
0: that's true, let's, let's say, let's say it is true, right? It's, it's been reported that if you've had COVID, you've got the antibodies because you've had that. You've had the actual the actual virus, so your body's built up, and you've obviously survived it and done well with it, and you're you're living fine. Should those people be, you know, mandated to get a vaccine, even though they've had they've had COVID, let's say a month ago?
1: I would say yes if that's the rule that they have to be vaccinated in that city to play. Do you know what I'm saying? Like in, in Golden State if you don't if you don't want to miss a check or New York if you don't want to miss a check. I would say yes. Just because if that's the rule, that's the rule. Unless they wanna amend the rule. Like if they wanna amend the rule and say vaccinated or you need the antibody, but Bogues, it changes every fucking day when you hear about COVID. This works. This doesn't work. This is Mm. good against it. This isn't, you know, the next day, this isn't good against it. It's like, and everybody's got their belief about it. And to be honest with you, nobody's fucking right. Everybody just thinks, yeah, we have doctors that say it. They could be wrong. People off the street that get their shit from the internet. No one really knows. So, like, yeah, like, if you don't believe what I'm saying that I'm going to do for the for the or COVID and that's just we're always going to disagree on something as a hu- as a human race and that's fine and there's no fucking right answer but yeah d-
0: and that's d- great d- disagreeing is fine it's it's when it gets to the point of like but you know with the, the vaccinated think that they're you know whether I'm vaccinated or not is no one's business I'm on that, I'm on that boat as well if someone asks me I tell them to go fuck themselves well, that's my personal business um, and I believe it always should be I don't think you should be showing your papers because it is a slippery slope but you know you just gotta you gotta treat people as people and, and the thing is that there's such a divide in the community now that is very, very sad to see. Based on a vaccination, it's like, oh, you're you're one of those anti-vax. Oh, you're one of those pro-vax. Maybe you've got a chip in you, you know, like. And that's fueled by media. It's fueled by what we're talking about right now. We're supposed to be talking about the NBA and we're talking about vaccination. So it's um it's reared its head in all walks of life. I totally agree with with what you said um, to an extent, but I think. For me, if you've had if you've had COVID, there are some places in the world. I, I think in, in, in at least in I think New South Wales, Sydney. If you've had COVID, that acts as, gives you a, a six months. Six months not to have the, the the vaccine, I believe, because you've got the antibodies, and you get that in a simple blood test, and that would be that would be the science. But even even down to the science, you can find opinions that are for and against, and that are in the middle, and that you know, and, and like you said, I think the hesitancy for some people for vaccines, some people that I've talked to that that aren't anti-vaxxers by any means, they've had all their vaccinations leading up to the COVID one, like they've had everything through their childhood, the flu vaccine, no issue with that. Is is that kind of you know the rhetoric changing every day in the direction, and this works. So now it doesn't. Now this works. I mean, at the start, they said Fauci was on record saying, do not wear masks. You know, they're not good for you. And there'll be a mask shortage for our hospital workers and whatnot. And then that changed a month later. So, I think you hit it spot on. I think that creates some hesitancy with 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 the protocols, with government direction, with vaccines. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in freedom of choice. I don't think you should be penalized. your employment and be ostracized Um, but one final thing i'll finish on which i found interesting was jonathan isaac's comments so right now if if you're unvaccinated in the nba pro and you're allowed to travel to said state or city to play you know the rules around around what you have to do around the team
1: yeah like you gotta literally distance yourself on the plane i think you don't you have to take a separate transportation you gotta stay in your hotel room you gotta be tested all that stuff, right, Bugs is Can't that, go out is to you with sort of the accurate. guys. Yeah, can't go out to eat with yep. the guys.
0: Uh, team meetings, you got to be in a separate part of the room. This is the biggest load of shit. And Jonathan Isaac hit it out of the park. He said, so I can chest bump in warm-ups. I can stretch with the trainers. I can get my ice packs. I can get treatment in the training room. I can wrestle with a guy on a basketball court for 48 minutes. But the moment I get on the bus, I got to be socially distanced. And that's- you can't argue that, bro. Th- those rules are absolutely ridiculous. Now, if you said Jonathan Isaac's going to a fan clinic or interacting with people outside of the group that he's with every day, maybe there's an argument to that, right? But <laughs> he's with these people every fucking day. And what, so you, you got a social distance on a bus and a plane and then you're in layup lines high-fiving each other. Where's, where's the logic in that, bro?
1: Yeah, no question about that, folks. Look, I'm all for going jumping through some hoops if you're not vaccinated in the sense that I, get te- I have to get tested every day. I got to stay in the hotel at you know, but I could be around my team is fine. I could sit next to him on the bus is fine. I could sit next to him, you know, you know. I could dance with them on the fucking plane if I want to. That shit you should be able to do. You know what I'm saying? But like I, get, I like I'm not for taking some of these checkbooks. I just want to let you know, like I'm not for firing somebody if they don't have the vaccine. I am for if that's your rule as an organ, as an NBA, that you need to be vaccinated. Or you got to jump through a few more hoops with testing and whatnot and, and access in some ways. I get that, but I don't get the whole fucking rhetoric of I. you, you got to take, you know, you got to you got to be like in a vacuum sealed fucking pouch, you know, and you got to be bubble boy from Seinfeld on the fucking plane and you got to be, you know. That's, so, that's, that's dumb as shit. That's fucking dumb as shit.
0: But we'll watch this space. It's, it's an interesting time outside of the NBA, just looking out your window, like in in, in, in American history, in Australian history, in world history, this is going to be very, very interesting to see how how it all plays out, you know, because there, there are people that are that can't, you know, afford to uh, lose their job that uh, that, that I've, I've got a few friends that were kind of in the middle, should I get it? Oh, it hasn't been out that long. I want to see how it goes over a couple of years before I get it. They've just had it recently because they had to because of their job. I've got other friends of mine that um, resigned from their job and just said, I, I, I don't want to be forced. I want to take my time with it. And I've got people that are heavily against it. I've got people that are, that are actually for it and took it the day the day it was available. So, um, the biggest thing is that we come together as a community and, and have these open discussions without saying you're you're anti-vaxxer or you're a pro-vaxxer or you're pro-government, you know, actually having a civil conversation like adults and, and at times agree to disagree. But what I, what I want to reiterate is if you're vaccinated and you're sitting next to an unvaccinated person you're going to be okay because you've had your vaccine you've had you've had what it's supposed to do is supposed to protect you from from the virus right so you'll be okay so the only gripe that i see is that you can argue that um an unvaccinated person will clog up the health system but then pro that discussion can then lead down a whole nother track when it comes to diet it comes to alcohol it comes to cigarettes diet cigarettes why are we
1: selling them drug
0: use that that that's a that's that's a personal choice also don't forget you know if people are not looking after their bodies and end up in the ICU at 40 instead of 60 because they've got a heart problem. That's also a personal choice, so it does become a slippery slope, and that's that's always been my argument from the start with all this, and that's a hill I'll die on that I cop shit for, but I'm okay to die on, but enough of vaccines, pro. I think we've uh, exhausted that one. Ben Simmons saga is ongoing, and... shocker, Man, we, we hit this one out of the park months ago. We're starting to get more and more right, so don't hold it against us, people, but yeah, he's... He has held out as we as we predicted. Um it, he will not report to camp. There were some rumblings that they were trying to schmooze him. I don't know if you saw Doc Rivers and was it Danny Green? I think we're trying to get him on a Zoom call. They were trying to get him in person meeting. They were trying to let, how do we get him, you know? And, and I know I know Ben well from these kind of situations. I don't know Ben that well as a person, but I know these kind of situations is not something that he does. Um, he just, you know, if he doesn't want to meet with you, he's not going to meet with you. And, and that's a, f- a few struggles that we had with the national team. So I kind of knew as soon as that all started, I'm like, you're not getting him in a room on the phone or whatever just going to ignore you, which is exactly what he's done. Um, so, there, Philly's in a tough spot. Um, Ben's probably in a tough spot now because Philly's reported that they're not going to pay him. He's owed $8.25 million to date. They're holding that in escrow. They said, if, you report, if he reports, we'll give it all to him. <laughs> That's the cherry. If he doesn't, we'll, we'll keep it. And it'll be interesting to see what the union does with that. But I, I agree with that. If you're not reporting, you don't deserve your, your check. But where the discussion lies is... The trade value to me is starting to plummet by the day. The longer this goes on, what do Philly do? Um, what are teams willing to trade for him do? Or do they start lowballing and putting crazy, crazy little offers towards them and just try to entice them to get it done? Do Philly hold out? We've had this discussion, you know, months ago with the Harden. Well, now a year ago with the um, the Harden issue with Houston. It'd be good to see a team just say, "No, you know what? Fuck you. We're not." You report and come and play for us or you're sitting out a whole season. But I don't think that happens, but it'd be nice to see once in a while. But where do you, where do you think this all sits? How do you see his trade value? Does Philly get equal return back? Or will this linger on for you know two or three more months?
1: I think it's done by the trade deadline. I think it's or very much, you know, earlier. Trade deadline?
0: Than that. Jesus, that's uh, six months away.
1: No, no, no. It'll be done before the trade deadline, basically. That's the way it will ever go. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen much earlier than that. He's not going to report. There's no chance. You know, um, the teams, the trade value was low when they were, when this saga began a few months ago, and it's low now. You're not going to get equal value. Uh, like I said before, I think the three trade targets that you'll probably see is you'll see Portland CJ McCollum, even though you know GM went out and said, "Oh, you know CJ's worth more than him," blah blah blah, all that bullshit. You're gonna see that. You're gonna see Buddy Hield and some other uh, other assets in SAC, and then you'll you might see San Antonio. With a few of those like rotation players that they have, they don't have anybody great on their roster. But you might see like a Dejounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, like some combination of that, and maybe some picks and things. But you're not going to see a great player. A like, look, he's a good player. We talked about it, but he can't close games because he can't shoot. Then you get that whole attitude thing of not wanting to shoot. Not only like structurally is the shot fucked. Well. Unless you, unless you follow him on Instagram, then he's fucking Larry fucking Bird. But if, you know, like, there's not a lot of value there in the sense that, like, he's essentially, he's like a top 25 player somewhere in that realm, in my opinion. You're not going to get really a top 25 player back. And if you're going to get one, you're going to get 24, 25, 26, 36, or a combination of players just because he's got that flaw, the shot. And then here's the thing. If I'm trading for him, I'm sure they'll do their homework, but there's no guarantee that he'll fucking show up to that team if he doesn't want to be there. Like no one's psyched up to be in fucking Sacramento, you know. Like you know, like if you get traded to Sacramento, like who's to well, say? Well, I think at this he point, he,
0: at this point, he has to show up, whether it's Rhode Island or whether it's Sacramento. Like I don't think he has much <laughs> more leverage, though. bro. surely, he, surely he can't get traded somewhere and then hold out again.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, but who knows? I don't think that Philly can really hold out. You know, and then there's going to be a ton of pressure. Now, imagine imagine if none of that was said. Doc didn't say that stuff and B didn't say that stuff. The playoffs, did; they still lost, but it didn't lose in that sense. And he had no pressure really in the offseason, maybe a little shit for not advancing in the playoffs. And then he comes back to Xanadu. He comes back to a perfect situation, Ben's the best, blah, blah, blah. And then he might still fuck his shooting up and not still be afraid to shoot. And that's in a perfect world. Now he's on every headline for the last three months about this whole fucking saga with them in Philly. He's got the whole holdout thing. Everybody's fucking burning Ben Ben Simmons jerseys and shit. Now he's got all this pressure. Do you think he can go back to Philly and play because his fucking trade value is down and really play well enough to rise it? Fuck no. As fucking Roy Kent would say in Ted Lasso. No fucking chance. I think, that, I think they're going to have to deal him. I think Philly's being stubborn right now and trying to get this mega deal that ain't ever going to fucking happen. And I think he's going to... Tra- I'm telling you, it's probably... It could be another team... Minnesota, but like, what are you gonna get from Minnesota? D'Angelo, fucking Russell? Give me a fucking break. You know, like, seriously, that's the fucking answer? Fuck, no, I'm not a fan. No, no, I'm not a fan. They're actually
0: rumored as the only team to probably have the most assets to do it, funnily enough. I mean, they
1: have assets like Malik Beasley. Like, Beasley's good. Like, I think that for them, it's either CJ McCollum, so you have a scorer, and you have a guy who's really fucking good. And you could just outscore people and your defense is going to suffer. Or you're going to get a team like a Minnesota or or a San Antonio that'll give you a bunch of players. Like that you could just surround them in numbers. And, you know, yeah, you don't get this great player in return, but you get all these okay players that you could throw in a rotation, you know, and you could throw them in your starting lineup and they'll be okay. But collectively, they'll give you a lot of what Ben gave you. but. You're never going to get a guy who's as talented as Ben Simmons on the defensive side, the size, the athleticism, the vision, you know, but you're going to get better shooting and you're going to get other things that he won't get. You're just not going to get an all-star quality player back. You know, CJ McCollum, to me, is like a borderline all-star. He's not an all-star, but, you know, he's a good, really good fucking player. But I just don't think they're going to get much, bogus. What do you think? How, how do you see all this stuff?
0: No idea, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see him in San Antonio with Pop. I, I think that'd be interesting in itself. But, I, I, um, you know, they have an Australian connection there with, obviously, Jock Landale and, and assistant coach Matt Nielsen. So, that could be the play that they have a few Aussies there. But that's not going to do much for, for Benny. Well, they got Chip
1: England too. They got Chip England. And, and that's probably one of the, the biggest assets in this trade if he goes to San Antonio. Because you get a guy who's fixed – Multiple people shots that couldn't really shoot coming into the league. Bruce Bowen, Tony Parker, you know, those type of guys, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's fixed a bunch of shots. The problem is you got to listen to the fucking guy. And Ben, as we know, like, hasn't been Mr. Hey, I'm going to listen to the structure. Now, look, I I don't know the kid. I spent a week with him in a camp in China. I don't know him from fucking Adam, and he doesn't know me. So I don't know. Maybe he does want to listen. Maybe, you know how the NBA is too, Bogues. And Philly's been notorious for it ever since that guy got drafted there, where they let those fucking guys do whatever the fuck they want, work with whoever the fuck they want, and they don't treat him like, Hey, Ben, you got to work with our shooting coach. Like they had a really good shooting coach, and you know they never he never let him work with him. It's a fu- it was a fucking joke.
0: Well, he's not working so with like- Chip then. He's not working with Chip yet. I mean, I, I think he's got it. he's got his guys. He's going to do those off season workouts, which is you know up to him in the off season. Um, but you know, you just hope he ends up somewhere. I don't think he's a number one guy on a team, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's a he's a he's a fantastic player, a star player. Um, I think he can really cause problems throughout a game with his defensive pressure and and his athleticism. But when it comes playoff time, you need to, you need more than that. And unfortunately, you know, unless you play him at the five, um, you need some shooting, and that's just the reality of it. I mean, I wasn't a great shooter throughout my career, right? But especially late in my career, I found a role, and that was at the five spot. Um, if I was if I was a three <laughs> or a four, I'd be out of the league, right? So. That's the other thing. He hates playing the four and the five. I'm on record to say that. I noticed it with our national team when he came to that one session. He hates being called a four-man. Um, he thinks he's a point, a point guard and not a point fo- – he doesn't want – none of that point forward shit. I'm a point guard. <laughs> but you, you, you can't play him at the one, two, and three, even the four at times because, um, you know, Minnesota could work as Towns can stretch and shoot threes, but we all know how that went when Towns was stuck in the corner, when when Butler and all that were there, and he hated that. So, you know, thinking out loud, you got to play him next to a, a five like a like a Brook Lopez, and, and there's not there's not a whole lot of – teams that are starting a big seven footer that can shoot threes at that clip so it's no, interesting. folks he
1: can win a championship at the point where one team in the league right now dream team 92 <laughs> he definitely he could definitely win a championship at the fucking dream team but uh, besides that probably not because of the shooting because of the being afraid to shoot get to the free throw line like that's the thing like He's got to get with a guy. First of all, his shot doctor should be sued for malpractice for who the fuck was working with him with a shot. He needs a real guy that's going to fucking help him, that's going to say, hey, look, we're not trying to control you here, but this guy's going to help you. Work with him 35 minutes a day, 45 minutes a day. Now, look, that's not reality because you know how it is in the NBA. But Philly started this shit, letting those fucking guys do whatever the fuck they want and, and not given some structure, like, no, 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 wait a minute. Yeah, you have a lot of rights here, obviously, but we need you to shoot with this guy. We need you to get better at this. But, like, that that didn't happen. Like, they held planes for rookies. They let them do whatever the fuck they want. Guys coming in late, never find I mean, they just let it run a fucking muck like it was an AU team. Not with Doc, I'm saying pre-Doc. That's how the shit
0: was. Yeah, but that's a mentality now. It's hard to turn that mentality off once it's, you know, six, seven, yeah. eight years in the yeah. league. Um, but with, you know, with my Ben thing saying that he's not a number one guy, I still think he's a value- very good number two guy. And The problem sure. is you're going to try to sell him on, hey, Ben, if, if you give us 15, you know, let's say 12 points a night, 10 assists, eight, eight rebounds, two or three steals and, and put the pressure on, but you're okay with a guy- being above you, aka you know, Jimmy Butler, that type of guy, being the man offensively for us to carry us through through games, he can be part of a a really decent run team deep into the playoffs. But I think that's also the mentality of it. Himself and everyone around him is you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. Well, I just don't think he's the number one guy. I think if you if you have him as your number one guy, late game, you know he just doesn't have enough offensive prowess when it gets slow and grindy and playoffy. And I think that's the issue is he's is trying to have him buy into that role. Like you're still going to be an all star with those numbers. You're still going to be a very very good player, you're still going to be a superstar to your player. You're just not going to be you're – not, you're not James Harden, you're not Kevin Durant, you're not Steph Curry. And I think he's really desperate to be in that echelon and, and I think that's a big part of why we're seeing what we're seeing.
1: Bogues, you've been around a lot of teams, right? Yep. Can you really have that honest conversation with a player and telling them that they're not a number one option? Even a fucking fourth option on a team and you're telling them that he's not, he has no chance for an all-star team or he's not going to be the number one option – I mean, how hard is it these days for that guy not to get in the fucking shitter when you tell him that and like want to quit on you right away?
0: Oh, it's it's tough, and that's that's the that's the million dollar question with Ben Simmons. It's it's you're you're not you're not a top ten guy. You're not. You're, it's it's the harsh reality. But I think you're a very very good second star on a team that can really. You know, there'll be nights where you're the first star on the team where you've got where you're twenty fifteen and ten great fantastic but i think for the good of the team that he's in if he can buy into that role my argument is that team can then go that that th- their ceiling is lifted massively if he goes into a team saying you know hypothetically he goes to minnesota Nah, Towns, I'm I'm the one, you're the two. And if it's that that struggle we saw, we've seen on many superstar teams over the last 50 years where I'm the one, I'm the number one guy, no, I'm the number one guy, it's not gonna work. It's just and that's that's the beauty of kind of I know Brooklyn didn't win it, but the fact that they're coexisting is is kind of, you know, a credit to to those guys in a way. You know, that they, they're always labeled as selfish and they have to be the number one guy. They've they've somewhat coexisted and been able to say, you know what, like we're all number one guys on a on a on a, on a team with with just us as the star. But they haven't really had that wrestle. They they play their roles and they all all get their touches. So I don't think you can right now, at this point in Ben Simmons' career. But I would hope he would mature in the next three, four, hopefully two years where he can say, you know what? I can look myself in the mirror. I'm, st- I'm still on a max contract. I'm still an all-star. I have a chance to be – I am going to be the best player to ever come out of Australia. I have a chance to potentially be in the Hall of Fame one day if I continue these numbers. But be okay with being a two-guy at times. I think that's that's the decision and the, the chat that he has to have with himself, bro.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, Boggs. In Brooklyn, it seems like they never really either get asked or answer that question of who's the number one guy. And that's where I think the fucking arguments start. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, there's 82 games. There's plenty of possessions. You you could have multiple people score 20-plus points a game, Um, you know, close to 30 points a game, maybe even over 30. Like, who gives a fuck? And I think that if you say, look, I don't give a fuck who the number one option is, like we're just gonna play. This is what I need you to do, and this is how you're gonna help us win. And regardless, like I don't give a fuck who's number one is. I'm not even gonna answer the question. We're just gonna keep playing, and don't worry about it. I think so many fucking players worry about who the man is, who the number one option is, all that, and just fucking just play. And if you got if you got game and you can fucking put numbers up and carry a team, then there you go. It's the season's gonna show. There's too many fucking games where people are going to see if you got what you get made of, plus the playoffs, plus all this other stuff. Like, people are going to see it. So, I just think people make way too much of who the number one guy is, who the number two guy is. Like, just, nah, fuck it. Let's just roll with it. Let's see. We know who the number one guy is. We don't have to, like, talk about it, but... I mean, again, it's like the vaccine thing. Like, everybody's got to fucking talk about it. And then it starts dissension. You know, Embiid versus Simmons. Like, who gives a fuck? Embiid's a much better player than Simmons. Who gives a fuck? You know, of course you yeah, can't you say know, with,
0: that. You know, with young guys, how it is—you come into the league, you're trying. Yeah. This is this is my team. This is my team, and it's like most of those guys figure it out usually mid to late career, and then win a chip. The guys that don't figure it out, they remain the guy on their team, and they put up twenty and ten, and they never win anything. It's it's a it's a pretty simple formula, and it it's equated on numerous teams. But I, I just think that you know that that's the struggle you have, um, and I think it's a, there's a luxury you know, being on a Brooklyn and being Kevin Durant, having an off night and saying, shit, I've got James Harden and Kyrie next to me. I've had an off night. I can defer to them um, as much as they will never admit deferring, but I can actually have a bad shooting night and still win a game because I've got these two guys next to me. It takes a bit of pressure off me, whereas if you're the number one guy and you have a bad shooting night, you lose, the pressure's back on you. So, I think it actually helps to an extent as well. But Joel Embiid's still, you know, he's having some subtle jabs at Ben as time goes on and Um, Some would say subtle jabs. Some would say trolling. Some would say the honest truth. Um, His comments read, I feel like over the years, our team has been built around Ben Simmons. Our teams have always been built around his needs. Even going back to the reason we signed um, Al we got rid of Jimmy, which I still think was a mistake, just to make sure Simmons needed the ball in his hands. And that's a decision they made. A the situation disappointing, borderline kind of disrespectful to all the guys that are out here fighting for their lives. Some guys rely on the team being successful to stay in the league and make money somehow. Because if you're on a winning team, you're always going to have a spot in the league just because you're on a winning team and you contributed. We're a better team with him. There's no question about it. We still hope he changes his mind. But I kind of owe it to these guys to worry about what we have here. And Joel, um, yeah, he's not going to change his mind mate so <laughs> you can put that in the rearview mirror but i mean it's a fair point i think that the team was was you know the al horford thing was just sh- we looked at it as like what the hell is going on and the read was they wanted another big that can stretch the floor to free up some space for ben simmons because you can't put him next to a non-shooting big so they needed a backup big or or they overpaid for it they even started him at the four at times which didn't work out very well but they needed a big that could Another big that could stretch the floor because that was a Ben Simmons need. If you went out and signed someone that, you know, like myself, um, you know, that was in my prime but wasn't a three-point shooting threat, it just would not fit. I couldn't – we can't play together, right? So, I think Joel has a has a point there, bro.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's right. Like you said, like they got guys, they brought him in because of his lack of shooting. They might have built it around around Ben, you know, as far as his lack of shooting because you need it. You need it, right? because like, you you can't have a guy that can't really shoot at all and doesn't want to shoot and can't make free throws but they catered to both of them you know they catered to both of them so like yeah, they might have built it around a little bit and he could say that and he's true but they catered to that guy and they catered to him they catered to both those guys and whatever they were gonna do or say or want they going to get it and you know they tiptoed around those guys they never really said anything you know like they never really like coached those guys. And that's pre-Doc I'm talking about. And this is what fucked everything up. And But he's pissed because I think didn't Ben say something in the media before? Something about, like, we've run our course or whatever. And that probably started the whole thing, you know. But I like Embiid. You know, Embiid's a character. But he's he's sort of like a Charles Barkley. Like, he'll just say whatever the fuck he wants to <laughs> yeah, say. He doesn't give he's a fuck what you think. He's good value. I like him. He's good value, but yeah, he does add value to we'll it. We'll see what
0: happens to Philly because it's um they're they're in their window as we've discussed. So they need you know Joel's not getting any younger. He has an injury history, but that this is their window to try and win. A chip, so they hopefully need to get something back for Ben. I think CJ McCollum would be the best deal they could find. I think that would be absolutely fantastic for him to put with that squad next to Joel and the other pieces they have, um, Matisse and, and and Tobias, so I think that'd be the, their best bet if they can do that. I'd do it in a heartbeat. They should just hurry up and get it done, but we'll watch that space. Gerson Ross has fired, bro. Um, is this another Mark Spears hit job? What's going on? What have you heard on the street down there?
1: You know, New ownership came in, you know it's coming in, so like you're on shaky ground as it is unless you were really winning a lot of games before that. no one gives a fuck that you're in Minnesota, no one gives a fuck that the teams never really won, you know, even when k G was there they never really made a run at it they made it maybe they made it the western conference semis or the finals like one time um he was on shaky ground as it is, and the story goes that like you know. He was hard on employees. He was hard on one employee that actually got the GM job when they let him go. And he wanted to go to Houston for a job. I think it was a higher, you know, it was a higher position money-wise. And he wanted to go right before the draft. And right before draft and free agency. And Gerson didn't let him go. And, you know, so the so that guy went to, you know, went to ownership, went to, you know, upper ownership and, you know, complained about it. And then there are stories that he like banished him from the building after that. And their relationship got messed up. They said that they, he worked his staff really hard. Um, you know, so that's sort of what I heard. And then, um, you know, so that was the gist of it. What, what did you hear so after he that? Got,
0: he only got hired. What was it? Was it April? March?
1: No, he got hired. Um, he got hired before the pandemic. So, he was there for was like three before, years. It,
0: was it before the pandemic, was
1: it? Are you sure? No, it was because he – yeah, he brought me in as a consultant. He brought me in a consultant and I left as like people were getting sick. I started – I got on a plane. I felt like I was in a fucking horror, a sci-fi movie. I got on a plane like that day uh, to go back from Minnesota to there. So, yeah, he's been there. I want to say like this is a, like – this was going on like year three – or maybe year right. four, May, or May maybe two thousand
0: nineteen. So you spot on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I felt like he was there much shorter, but yeah. Anyhow, I mean, the the, the comments coming from um, David Sampson, who's with uh, CBS Sports, were interesting. He, 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 he this is. His quotes in an article, it's inconceivable how you can run a team where you fire your president of basketball operations right before training camp. Something acute must have happened. That's the only explanation for a firing this close to a season. Samson says the only way it makes sense to make this move so close to training camp is that he was discovered to have done something so horrific that you had to fire him now. He says all of these questions are being asked because it has... To be something serious. And that's a fair point. It's, it's very reactionary, um, to happen right now. You know, most teams would try to play the play some sort of, have a strategy behind the firing. Like there's a lot of NBA teams, people out there that, that know they're going to fire someone and they might look at the calendar and say, shit, it's October one. We're going into camp. Let's just play this off till the end of the month or let's play this off to a trade deadline or let's whatever it is right let's wait till we lose three games in a row whatever it is that that happens a lot in our league it's ever ever rarely this reactionary where it happens you know with the smack of a fist to a table so there is some smoke there hopefully you know um you spoke on the hard on hopefully the hard on wasn't a a different kind of hard on pro (laughs) in today's in today's climate but yeah, it just, just happened so quickly and, and he's out of there. So,
1: yeah, they they made him sound like a tyrant working his staff hard. First of all, about half the fucking GMs in the league, like they treat their staff hard and they work him hard. As far as not letting that guy go right before free agency and in, in draft, look, like he's got all their moves they're going to make. Like, you know, like they, you know what moves you're going to make in free agency and draft. Fucking three weeks to a month before the fucking draft happens. So you know, like, you're not going to let him go to Houston, which is in the fucking division, in the, in the conference. And you're not going to let them go, let him with all that proprietary information, let him go to another team. I would have held off too. Now I would have let him go after, you know, after free agency and draft or the next year. But like, I could see that. And the guy's done a decent job. The one black spot on the career, you know, in the basketball side of things was, you know, the, like he's like Captain Ahab in the, you know, going after his big white whale was D'Angelo Russell. Like he, he chased him for like a year, like a year and year and change. I'm not a D'Angelo Russell fan. I never have been. And he gave up a lot of collateral for him. He gave up, you know, unprotected picks, which it, it turned into an unprotected pick this year. It did, it wasn't like this huge pick or anything, but it was a pretty high pick. But like, that was the big thing. You gave up all this for D'Angelo Russell and to put him with towns and you could have not done that kept your picks drafted really high look like drafted anthony edwards you know he brought in you know malik beasley brought in Nas reed he he brought in some good pieces uh the jared culver draft he had they had to get rid of him he was sort of a bust he drafted him high in his first draft so yeah but i mean the team was sort of turning a corner a little bit they're playing well you know edwards is really turning into a star like you know, he had some he had some traction. The problem though, too, Bogues, is the new ownership. Like the new ownership comes in, they A-rod comes in like um he he's a minority owner now. The the the, the owner tailors, you know, he still has full control of the team. And then like every year they sort of get more ownership and they ended up taking over the team, I think in like three or four years. So, but like new ownership too, like usually when a new owner comes in, he had some fucking guy, like if most of the, what happens is if they know that you're going to buy a team, folks, like you're going to buy the Golden State Warriors, you're going to have three or four fucking gypsies that want, want to, like, nip at your toes saying, hey, look, that, that GM they got there sucks. I can do this for you. I can do that for you. Like, you know, and what happens is you want to bring your own guy in, you get somebody chirping in your ear that you're probably going to hire. You're going to... F- eight times out of 10, you're going to fire the GM. You're going to usually fire the coach unless they've been doing really well. And maybe they just wanted to make the move earlier than, you know, rather than later. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's just it's just a strange one to to look at, but we'll watch that space. Maybe some some there'll be some leaks coming out um, down the track, but it just was strange reaction. All right, the Denver Nuggets—they've been very active in the off-season. Pro their moves to me signal that they think this is the roster to get it done. Um, I'm not sure what you think about it, but we'll get to that in a second. The they have signed Michael Porter Jr. to a 200 million dollar max, and they've given. Um, Aaron Gordon, a four-year, 92 million. So before that, they were 18th in the league, team salary next season it is a big bump up They they got uh Jokic next season at 33 million Jamal Murray at 31 million Aaron Gordon will be at 19 million Will Barton still on the books for 14 Monte Morris is on the books for nine and then don't forget you got Porter Jr. now at, at just under 30 million Jeff Green's there for 4.5 and Jermichael Green's there for 8.2 that's basically your roster um you're gonna have to really hopefully some of these kids you drafted um I mean Bowles obviously the one that stands out Bowles to see how he develops um He's, he's got one more year on his deal, which is just – this is the last year of his deal. But you're going to have to pray to get some some good veterans in some buyout-type markets if you're competing for a spot um, next season um, in that playoff that playoff bracket. But, I mean, this is – they're all in, bro. Um, I just don't think this is a roster that wins you a chip.
1: Yeah, they got no other choice, though, folks. Like, they got – I'm not a big Aaron Gordon fan. I think he's a decent player, but I think that that's a lot of money to pay the problem is, Bogues, when you're over the cap, but not over the tax, if you let go of these guys, like if you let go of a $15 million player and you're $10 million over the cap, you're not replacing them that $15 million player. So like with um with Gordon, I think you could you know, he does fit a role for them. But uh, whatever, you paid him what you paid him. The whole Michael Porter Jr. deal, look, you're not you're not going to replace Michael Porter in the draft, you know, the w- where they'd be drafted. You're not going to get a Michael Porter Jr. in free agency. Is he a great player? No. I mean, if he signed for $200 million, then Luka Doncic should sue the fucking league to get a $500 million max if now he's a ma and they're making the same amount of fucking money. That's a joke. But, like, he is a good player. You're not going to replace him. If that's what it's going to take to keep him there, fine. Um you know, but the roster's probably not good enough to get it done, but if you let Porter go, if you let Gordon go, you know, or or trade them, you're not going to get equal value back, and you know, you might be fifth in the, you know, realistically, you might be the fourth best team in the West. Now, look, they, you know, Clippers are not going to win with without without Kawhi this year, so they're probably, if if they're going to make a run, they're going to make a run now, and I think you got to keep your assets together. You got to keep your team together. You got Jokic, Murray, Porter, and then a bunch of these other role players. You might as well take a run at it because look, they've been in mediocrity for a long fucking time. And if you get rid of these guys, you're going to be in mediocrity for a longer fucking time. And you can't burn my you can't burn daylight with Jokic. You don't know how long he's going to be healthy for. You don't know how long he's going to be dominant for. He's in he's in his prime. You know, and he could stay in his prime for a long fucking time. You might as well put the best team possible around him rather than throw these guys back into the water, these fish back in the water and then pray in the next couple years you can replace them with some pieces. That shit never fucking works. Nobody wants to go to Denver. No free agent's gonna wanna go to Denver. You've got your guys under contract. You might as well do it. Yeah, Porter Jr. is not a max player, but fuck, you might as well keep him there. You don't want to risk losing in free agency. And then Aaron Gordon's a nice starter. Like, to me, Aaron Gordon's a good fifth option, fourth option. Like, he's a good, like, solid fourth or fifth guy. If that's what it's going to take to keep him, fuck it. You know, the guy averages 12 and five. That's probably really where, you know, realistically, that's sort of, you know, where he is. So, yes, you're right. They're not... I don't know if they're going to win a champ. They will, probably won't win a championship, but it's going to be the best chance of it in a long time, you know. And they got to get the, the, these guys together because I don't think you can replace losing, you know, losing those two guys, you know.
0: Yeah, I think I think the Porter Junior one. It is what it is. I think he's. We'll go through some of his numbers in the stats segment because he. He had some really, really impressive numbers. But, I mean, the, the Aaron Gordon one, you make a good point to keep him. What else are you getting if you don't sign him? But that was the one that was questionable for me because I just don't think he fit in well with Denver. I think he's now, you know, will to Ben Simmons' argument, will he buy into a lesser role? Will he buy into being, hey, man, we've got Jokic, Murray, and Porter Jr. There, there are three. There are big three. Barton probably arguably is more offensive, offensively skilled than Aaron Gordon. Um, minus the athleticism, obviously, Aaron Gordon's athleticism is off the chart. So you're probably the fourth, fifth option at best. You're never going to be the number one option on the court. Um, to give a guy like that 20, $21 million, you know, a year, is there anyone else out there that they could have spent that on? Um, but like you said, it does, it does affect the cap because it's not a guy from your own roster. That's where you get the benefit, right?
1: Yeah, and, and when you're over the cap and you let go of them – you know, because he, he was making okay money, but not great money. And if you let him go, you, you're you not going to spend dollar for dollar for what you like. If he's making 15, you won't be able to get a guy for 15. Yeah. You'll probably only be able to use a mid-level exception anyway. Look, Ben Gordon, I mean, Ben Simmons put up pretty good numbers. and He's been a star. Like he's been a star, not a, like a super, superstar, but he's been a star. Like people think he's really fucking good. Not a great player, but really fucking good. You know, had this huge name, top pick. Aaron Gordon was none of those things. He's never shown promise of it. He's always been an above-average player in the league, decent player. But he's never shown it, like, flashes of it. Yeah, he won a dunk contest and all that shit, and he puts up numbers against bad teams, for bad teams. But, like, Ben, Ben Simmons has shown, like... Over a stretch of time, he's really fucking good. He just can't close because of his shooting and the other antics. But, like, I, Aaron Gordon, you know, like, if he thinks he's a star, I'll be like, well, I don't really give a fuck what you really think. No offense, but you're not a star. You know, I like, you can make cases that you may not even be a starter for this team. Like, you, you might be able to start other guys in place of him, and you would still be okay. You could really help because of your toughness, athleticism, strength. But you're not really a perimeter player. You know, you're not like, you don't really have much skill. You shoot about 33 from the three. It's not like you're, you're killing it when you're shooting. You can't really handle the ball. You're not a decision maker. You could overpower guys on switches. You could play in transition. You know, you could straight line drive. You're good. You're a good solid player. But if you think you're a star, I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, if you want to be a star, you know, EuroLeague just started this week, brother. You might, you might be able to catch him by week two. You might be able to get on some team in Russia. That's where you're a star. You're not a star here. You're not a star in any of these teams. I mean,
0: I think Unless arguably, you want to- arguably in that system with Jokic, he could, he could you know, score a lot of baskets just from his athleticism of split cut slip, you know, slip lob playing out of the dunker. He'll be able to get three or four cheap baskets, transition. You know, Jokic is one of the best in the game at defensive rebounding and the long-range outlet baseball passes for guys for layups. If he just runs a floor like he can and gets to the rim whenever he can for lobs and when guys turn their head, he'll, he'll have, that's 10 points a game for him, I think. So I think, you know, it's a mindset change for him from Orlando getting touches, we going to ISO you losing all that. He can, he can make that up with just a little bit of effort and it's much easier. He doesn't have to exert himself in games and, and be, you know, I think he needs to get better defensively. I think he's shown flashes that he can be a good defender. But he's got to he's got to be that stopper role for him for to have a chance. So they, if they want to try to get get to the second third round, he's the go and stop Kawhi or Paul George for us. Go and stop you know LeBron for us. And that's something that probably he hasn't been held accountable for um, in his Orlando days.
1: No, and you make a great point. Jokic is the difference maker. Jokic is that Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Larry Bird factor. Where like if you're a player. You play on teams with those guys on it because they're going to make it easy for you. Like those guys who play with Jason Kidd, the Richard Jeffersons, the Kenya Martins, the Scalabrini's, the Collins. Like those guys weren't worth what they were paid at the end of it because Jason made it easy for those guys. Set him up for lobs because of his vision. Larry Bird took like a 20 win team into a 60 win team like with the same roster in his rookie year. You know, uh, fucking Steve Nash. Like I remember advising Channing Fry he was going to be a free agent, leave in Portland, and he could have either played in. Um, he could have either played in Cleveland, or he could have gone to Phoenix on a two-year, seven million dollar deal, three and out. And I said, "Are you fucking insane? You got to play with Steve Nash because all you got to do is like catch the ball where he throws it to you, and he's going to just fucking hand deliver it to you, and you don't have to work for shots." He'll find you and he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, constantly put three defenders on him when he drives and pick and roll. It just kick it right back out to you. And Channing ended up making 40 more million on his next deal because he was able to play with a guy like that. With Jokic, you're right, split cuts. You know, he's gonna get triple teamed, swing right back. Like he's got gr- that Larry Bird, you, you know, that Larry Bird, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, you know. Like vision, where he's going to find them for easy baskets all day. You know, transition cuts, straight line drives, open jump shots. In Orlando, he'd have to get single and double team, and then he can't really handle that because he's not that type of player. He can't. He he's not good enough to live on bad shot. You know, a steady diet of bad shots. So I think this is a great situation for him. It's good for Denver because they don't have to go out and try to get another guy. I don't think they could have got better than him in in free agency. What they had to spend. So it's a marriage, you know, they're not going to get better. He's not going to get better. It's like, you know, if you're a guy and you're four and a half and you marry, like, you know, you marry a four and a half and you're a true four and a halves, you're not going to get a seven. You're not going to get an eight. You don't, you know, you can't, you can't get anything better than this. That's what you got. So, hey, let's fucking deal with it.
0: Move on with it. Uh, I've got a breaking. Um, story, no, nah, not a breaking story. Just, just some sauce, tomato sauce that, uh, Zion Williamson apparently is looking very heavy, pro. This is, uh, <gasps> Zion Williamson. Even heavy, oh, Sorry, I, sh- I should say even heavier than he has been. And um, there's some rumors from that that end of town that he has refused to step on a scale during training camp. No joke. I'm not. Jo- this is not a joke. He has refused to weigh in because he knows he's heavier than he should be. And apparently, he's not looking too good. I mean, he's still got his athleticism and strength, but there's some some big worries down there in New Orleans um, with his weight.
1: Well, first of all, Boggs, I thought I lost in the pool, so. I had I had my money at your secret source in New Orleans being Van Gundy, and I fucking lost. So if you're still getting if, after he got shit canned, and you're still getting source uh, source deal, deals out there. Then I, I I was wrong in the pool. But yeah, uh, to go back to Zion, yeah, I, I mean who knows? I'll take your sources word for it. Look, he's had a weight problem his whole career, and it's always going to be a problem until he deals with it. And that does not that does not you know. That doesn't phase me one bit. Doesn't? I'm not surprised. It is what it is, man. Um, well, it phases
0: you from the fact that I mean, he has played heavy for most his career. He's just a beast athletically. He's just a just an ox of a person, just strong as shit. And just it, it phases you if you're the team that's investing a, a lot of money in him. He's your number one guy. Um, that you know the injuries. That that's the thing. Like you, you know, ACLs, ankles, backs. The more weight you put on with the style of basketball he plays can be a hindrance. Now, you know, I could be wrong. He could play 10 years, you know, look at look at Shaquille O'Neal and what he, he managed to do late in his career, even with weight. He, he was never really hurt because he was so big and so strong. But carrying, you know, extra baggage to the point where, you know, you've got you've got a gut hanging over your shorts, I think is probably not the right frame of body you'd want in the NBA.
1: No, you know, and like I said, I'm not surprised. I'm not saying that the team shouldn't be in, yeah, for sure. Like, Look, these days though, folks, these players could do whatever the fuck they want. What are the, what are these guys gonna do to him? That's the problem. He's played fat his whole career. You know, he thinks it's fine. It's not gonna end well for him at some point. Some point, it's gonna be, a, God forbid, it's gonna be a major fucking injury. But these teams can't do any of these guys. They don't give a fuck. What are you gonna find them? Twenty grand, fifty grand. You know, it's not a hundred grand. Like it doesn't. You know, yeah, the team's fucked. Like, look, the guy wants to leave. You know, it's going to end badly. You know, he'll sign his extension. It's unprecedented that a player doesn't sign their extension with the team. And then he's probably going to leave, you know, at some point sooner rather than later. So he's just going to do whatever the fuck he wants. You know, he's first, he didn't like the coach. Seems like he doesn't, you know, he's not really, he's not clicking with management so, he's just going to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And if he doesn't believe in you, he doesn't want to be with that franchise, do you think he's going to be fucking hitting Weight Watchers and hitting the fucking beach at 6 in the morning running and on the treadmill and shit with the fucking garbage bag over him losing weight? Nah, fuck no. He's going to, you know, what do they call those donuts in New Orleans? Beignets? Beignets. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hitting that <laughs> fucking... He's going to invest though. in a beignet. Gonna, I've never fucking... I saw that movie Chef with John Favreau and they look good as shit. I've never... I've heard of them. I've never gone... I've heard that place is outstanding.
0: You never had a beignet? Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I'm the worst fat guy on the planet. I don't you eat are. You don't enjoy any of,
0: the, any of the fat perks. No. You Jesus.
1: I eat tons of bland food. And I, and I eat a lot of fucking pizza and carbs, no doubt, and cereal. I keep Tony and the Tiger's fucking mistress is happy because I fucking... You know, I invested so much in this product, but... Yeah, I don't I'm not a donut guy. I don't eat that many donuts, man.
0: Okay, good to know. Noted. Um Benjie's a good though. What's
1: your thoughts on it though? Yeah, what's your thoughts I just, on? I, just feel bad, I, feel,
0: I feel bad for the team because it's a small market team that's just going to get We've seen this story a million times, pro, and we all know how it's going to end. He's going to end up in New York or LA down the track. And yeah, just I don't I don't know, man. I don't like it. You can see you can kind of see remnants of Harden in Houston. Um he wants to get out of there, but look, he's hired his guy. They got his guy as coach that he wanted. You hope he he puts in, but um I mean, they're they're getting better. Their roster's not, not awful. So they should be, they should be somewhere in the mix. Um, I have them between, you know, seven, eight, nine down to probably 12 somewhere around that ballpark if they have a really good year, but. You know, could go the other way too, where they could they could just implode. You know, Zion gets hurt, and then they're trying to find themselves. But I like Ingram. I like a few of the other pieces they have. So we'll watch that space. Pau Gasol expected to announce his retirement, pro from professional basketball, next Tuesday or a time of, of of recording for us. It's three days, and the pod should be out by then. But yeah, he has a press conference set on Tuesday in uh, I believe in Spain. And yeah, I mean, fantastic career. A, a guy that that really his longevity was probably one of the most impressive things about him. Very, very multi skilled, big, probably, you know, one of those guys that came in and really kind of uh, showed what a big guy can do as far as. You're not just going to put you on the block to rebound and set screens. You know you can you can handle the ball. you can pass. He was just basketball IQ was off the charts. And you, I mean you can probably speak a little bit better to to power, knowing knowing how much Kobe respected him and what he did for Kobe's game. At times was was labelled kind of soft European and all that, but the numbers don't lie. And he's you know what he's done throughout his career have been you know and then even even adapting to a three point shooter late in his career have been phenomenal. So very very good player will go down in the Hall of Fame and a, a career that we should all have enjoyed.
1: Parker saw is one of my favorite favorite big guys in the history of mankind to watch I mean he's I mean his footwork is is phenomenal his face-up game is I mean just a unbelievable pro I remember hearing about him early on his Barcelona days and you know Jordan you know that was a that was a Kwame Brown draft actually they you know Jordan passed on him to, to, to take Kwame and you know, in Memphis he never he never won a playoff series, but he had such unbelievable ability and talent and great to watch, graceful on the court. And then he you know, they goes in the Kwame Brown trade with LA and, and Memphis for his brother, actually, you know, and he goes to LA and he helps them win two championships. Uh, Kobe said it was his favorite teammate of all time. I um, mean he's his favorite teammate just to talk basketball with as a competitor as You know, I think Kobe wanted him to be a little bit tougher, like you said, like with the, you know, with the whole um with the whole sort of label soft thing. But I'll tell you what, he was ridiculous to watch. You know, I mean him and Dirk got, you know, compared, you know, a lot, neck and neck. I mean Dirk probably had Dirk had the better career score and being that number one option that, you know, he was the number one option on a championship team and he took teams real deep in the playoffs where Powell, you know, sort of needed some help like everybody else. But man, I'll tell you what he he puts beauty in the game of basketball I mean he was he's I'd watch him I'd watch him till he's 70 play the guy's the guy's that good just just a high IQ pro just a a fantastic player and like I said Kobe said he was fantastic with people organization wasn't all that fantastic for Memphis that you know he sort of forced his way out but yeah great player he'll be remembered it's uh, it's gonna be sad not to see him play Yeah,
0: definitely an enjoyable career, championship winner, believe gold medal winner. Got a gold
1: sign. Yeah, those national
0: teams. Yeah, I can't remember if it was a, if it was a World Championships or an Olympics. i have to look up. But anyhow, quick NBL wrap. Not a whole lot going on. Season has been postponed again to mid-December now, Pro. It was mid-November, so we're down to mid-December. Still a lot of uncertainty here. Much of what you mentioned earlier on in the podcast around state laws are all different in Australia. It's like we're living in, in seven different countries, essentially. So, they're trying to navigate what they're going to do. Um, there is considerations potentially to go for those Australian listeners. What the Soccer League did here, the A-League, where where there's two conferences potentially and you split up the teams because the issue now, Pro, is if you travel to certain states, it's not so much the vaccine mandate we have here, Pro. It's you got a 14-day quarantine to get into some states if they even let you in at all. So that's not feasible for a game a week. Um, So they might need to base half the league somewhere and half the league somewhere. They play each other in those, in that city or state in kind of like a Round robin for, for for three or four months, uh, or sorry, uh, two or three months, and then and then you flip you flip them around and mix it back up. So it'll be interesting to see where where uh, all that goes. But yeah, hopefully the season can get underway without any any hiccups in in December and everything else can be put behind us and we can get some sport or some basketball in Australia back on TV.
1: Yeah, I mean, COVID's got all this shit fucked up. I know in China that they were going to do a bubble in one city and just have everybody based in one city. And yeah, COVID's got a lot of shit fucked. It's just, it's crazy. But, but like you said, like the United States, if you get different governments and different city state mandate, whatever, whatever it is in Australia, it's just, yeah, it's rough, man. But they got to find a way to make it work. They got to make a fine, find a way to make it where they can play their games be financially feasible for the teams that they're going to either relocate or try to do something with. Well, that's, yeah, on the Well, that's the, problem.
0: that's the problem because the clubs yeah. make money in our league from, from home games predominantly, right? They don't get a lot of the league revenue. Um, you've got a team like New Zealand who's now going to have to go – into a, another season where they're not based in New Zealand at all. Last season they were based in Australia the whole year. There was issues with guys' uh, mental health and um, being away from home for so long, not seeing their families. Um, based in Australia for six odd months, so that's going to happen again. So it's it's not ideal. It, like I mean, it is the best of a bad situation, and sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But it's going to be it's going to be a shit show again, unfortunately, just based on on the government rhetoric. It's not not really the NBL's fault. They're they're kind of trying to navigate all these moving parts. But um, let's just hope the NBL. Comes with the most sensible plan and, and doesn't um, doesn't try to do another NBL Cup in Melbourne again, which was a which was not very well done last season. It actually actually hurt the game because I mean <laughs> they basically had a, a midseason NBL Cup type tournament thing and. Um, yeah it was it just diluted the market in Melbourne so then they couldn't they couldn't sell tickets for the rest of the season after that because they were so cheap during that tournament they were selling it for $10 a head that all of a sudden when the when the regular season games were back on and it was $60 a head no one was coming so it actually hurt them more than it helped but we'll watch that space pro we have a new segment i'm i'm really excited for this we're going to call it let's go pro ranting so it's your it's your rant i'm going to I'm going to get my, um, my stopwatch ready. You have two minutes. You have a good one this week. We're going to try to make this a weekly thing. So listeners, if you like it, let me know. Pro was cognizant on this not being a Stephen A. Smith type rant. And I said, no, no, no. We don't want any Stephen A. Smith type bullshit here. It's just going to be the honest truth of, of something that's bothered you basketball wise, whether it be NBA or around the world, um, this week. And we'll hopefully make this a weekly thing, bro. But you think you can do it?
1: Two minutes? I don't know, man. I don't do. I don't last two minutes doing anything. So, oh, um, except eating. So, yeah, we'll
0: see. Get your wife on the pod and interview hurt. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, you have up to two minutes. <laughs> two minutes is the ding. If you go, okay. if you go over it, I'm going to ding you. But uh, I like the one that you have. You, you had it as a topic for, for the podcast to just put in our, our regular chat, but I think it's a good rant. So I'll count you down and go for your life.
1: Okay, got it. Three, two, bang, go, bugs. This fucking training camp bullshit about... First of all, there hasn't been a player that fucking uh, missed a shot in training camp in 30 fucking years. Every player is a fucking Hall of Fame player. Every non-shooter turned into a fucking shooter. Every fucking asshole turned into a, they found God and the nicest, most coachable guy in America. All these fucking player-coach relationships that were worse than Iran and Iraq are just, everything's great, kumbaya, kumbaya. Everything's awesome. You can never, you can, a coach or a general manager, no one ever, a player, no one ever says, yeah, this player really, you know, he's average. He did okay this week. Everything's, oh, this guy's fucking fantastic. He's blowing up. He's going to be great this year. This is the year he really does it. We don't, we, everybody's family here. We're not trading this guy. Everything's great. We're going to make this thing work this year. We're all together. We're in it to win it. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just all fucking bullshit. By fucking January, ah, uh, fuck that. By November 15th, the not, the, the shooter that's supposed to be the next Larry Bird is shooting 26% from three. The fucking asshole who's supposed to be like the kindest, he's going to win the citizenship award is fucking, you know, he's, you know, he's already fucking banned from the practice facility, hanging out with the guy who can't shoot, who got fucking thrown out, you know, got fucking cut from the team, you know, and awaiting his fucking play in China. I mean, it's unbelievable because within a month everybody forgets his bullshit, and then again the non the, the, the fucking Larry Bird is a non shooter the the nice guys become the asshole that player and the coach is fucking at each other's throats and it's just it's just complete bullshit. Just be honest for once about training camp. This guy did okay. I
0: like it, bro. I like Whatever. it. The first one beautiful and it's a valid point. Whenever we look, we we like. Uh journalists writing in-depth stories but every beat writer writes the same story during training camp this guy looks great this guy was on a diet this guy's got a tan and looks fantastic this guy's been putting extra rise and grind time in the gym so i think you've hit it out of the park i think um a bit of honesty wouldn't go astray but uh good start pro ranting <laughs> appreciate it all right so we'll move on to our fact or fake news what do you got
1: Ben Simmons, next team, makes the playoffs, folks. Ooh,
0: Ben Simmons, next team, makes the playoffs. I think I think he's going to go to Minnesota. I've just got a feeling that's where he's going to end up. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'd be what, Portland, San Antonio. So, the, if it was Portland, San Antonio, okay. he makes it.
1: let's rephrase the question. He goes to Minnesota. Do, does he make Minnesota a playoff team?
0: Not in the West, fake news. Well, playoff team. I'm, yeah. I'm talking one to eight. I'm talking one to eight. Remember, we're going to put that stipulation. Yeah, one they, to eight. They might. He's they might scrape into nine or ten, maybe. But yeah, I'm, I'm going. Uh, they don't make the playoffs. Minnesota do not make the playoffs with Ben Simmons. What do you got?
1: Oh, uh, I, I say it's fake news. He's not making the playoffs. If it's Minnesota, he's not making the playoffs. There's no. There's no chance. Because look, if he goes to Portland, it's going to be him from a column. So yeah, with him with Portland, they're going to make it. Um, if he goes to – but he's going to Minnesota. If he's going to Minnesota in this trade, you're going to have to give up something for him. So you're either going to have to give up Beasley and a few other players or you're going to center it around, you know, uh, D'Angelo or Russell. You're going to get less talent. – you're going to get more talent out the door and then you're going to bring him in. He needs supporting cast to help him. Um, they do not make the playoffs. So, no, he will not make his next team a playoffs if that team is in Minnesota. Got it. Next. Folks, Clay – Will average over 20 a game once he returns. His career average is 19.5, has not averaged under 20 since the 13-14 season, 18.4.
0: He'll average – yeah, I think fact. I think he'll average more than 20 a game. The concern is obviously his minute limit restrictions when he comes back will probably sit around probably 12 to 15 the first – five games and then and then I'll probably go to 18 to 20 for another five or six and then and then they'll they'll take the the leash off the reason why I say most players I'd probably say no because of the the minute limit but is a bucket, and Clay does not turn down shots, and he's going to have in his mind, okay, you assholes want to play me twelve to fifteen, which will piss him off because he want he'll want to play. He'll go, okay, I'll, I'm going to get fifteen reps up in those fifteen minutes. So I think it's I think it's a fact he's going to average he's going to average above twenty a game upon his return from injury, which is which is uh, penciled to be roughly December. I've read.
1: I say fake news. I say the minute restriction plus the hold. I'm sure they're going to hold him out of some games. I think that it's gonna be too tough for him to average twenty a game with you know the long layoff, the minute restrictions, the and then you know how they're gonna do it. It won't play back to backs probably and all that other stuff. So I'm saying fake news. I'll say he'll go under twenty. Okay. Okay. Well let's fucking start it now. The Nets will win the championship this year.
0: Fact. I think they've um I think they've told up well. I think the Patty Mills acquisition. Um and this is I'm saying this even with the whole uh, situation re- regarding Kyrie Irving and and the vaccinations and whether he plays home uh, is I think it's home games in Brooklyn. Yeah, I think the Patty Mills insurance policy is vital. I think and Patty's role off that bench to just come on and, and just be a fireball is perfect. They've retooled. We've obviously got some veterans back again um, for cheap, so I, I think they've retooled really well. And I think I think fact, I think they they get it done this season, Pro.
1: Yeah, I think fact too. Um, I you know with the Clippers. You know, with the with Kawhi missing most, if not all, the season, I don't believe in the Lakers winning. I don't think the Lakers are going to win it. I, just think and they're too old, man. I don't I
0: think the Lakers. Yeah. It's, it's an old roster. You know, um, way too old.
1: It's an old roster with some pieces that you don't know if they're going to fit or not. And then, you know, you got Milwaukee, who's good. Don't get me wrong. Like you know, Giannis and that whole crew. But like the firepower, you know, the firepower of. Of you know Brooklyn, I like Nash as a coach. I like their I like their pieces around those guys. I think they got. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be a dominating team offensively. I, I think by the playoffs, they're going to figure out how to let Kyrie Irving play if Kyrie's still on the roster, which I assume he would be. I don't think he's going to get traded for Simmons anytime soon. So I think I think they're going to figure out a, a way how to let him play home games in the playoffs. And you know, I think they're gonna win the championship. I, I I think they're good enough.
0: Totally agree. Watch that space. Stats useful, useless. Some off season ones. One that was interesting is just a random one. The Laker jersey numbers. They basically <laughs> got every num- They had every number covered from zero to what was it? Twelve. In order. So um, I'll read these out real quick. Zero was Westbrook, one's Areza, two Ellington, three AD, four Rondo, five um, Tucker, six LeBron, s- seven Mallow. Oh, no, eight. No, sorry, LeBron, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eight. Eight is gone. Yeah, obviously. Um, Melo nine, Baysmore 10, DeAndre 11, Monk 12, and, um, and then you got none as well. Sorry, none was, uh, none was 12, but Dwight, mm-hmm. tw- Dwight took 39 and got some shit for it. Cause everyone was like, dude, like you should have taken, um, you should have taken eight, not realizing that, that Kobe's was retired. So they basically okay. got every number covered from zero to 12. And then, yeah, just, just a re- weird one, but. Uh, StatMuse put that yeah. one to us. It has to be the lowest jersey number combination for a team in NBA history, pro. It is useless, but it's just an interesting one, in my opinion.
1: That was. And yeah, I made the joke about the eight because I remember that Dwight thing. That was pretty fucking, you know, that was funny. But yeah, it's weird. It is a useless stat, but it is weird that uh I've never seen it like that, you know, in basketball where they had that many low numbers taken, you know, and uh, all the way up to 12 and. You know, all those low numbers, like no 34, no 23, you know, no 44, you know, 50 or anything like that, but fucking NBA, man, circus at no 10.
0: Yeah, it is, it is, but yeah, it's just interesting, I wonder if it was strategic by the guys because it sounds like it was something, it can't just be random, you know what I'm saying, like, and then then Dwight came and fucked it up, someone said Dwight should have taken uh, double zero, just
1: to- <laughs> <laughs> triple zero,
0: triple zero. Triple zero.
1: Triple zero. Um... I mean, think about it though. Like, so Rondo's all Rondo's always been four for the most part. Westbrook was zero at one time. Ariza was one most of his career. LeBron, you know, he went back to six. I don't know. I- I'm not a big I'm not a big number guy. Was Melo seven his whole career? Uh
0: what was he in Denver? No, in De- was he seven in Denver? I think he was. He yeah. He might
1: have been seven in Denver too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. don't know. Yeah, LeBron's six. I
0: don't know. LeBron is at, you know, he was six, was his training jersey in Cleveland, even though he wore 23 for the games.
1: And then in, in Miami, he was six. Yeah, Ma- Miami, Miami he was six. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah Deion yeah. pays more. I don't know. It's
0: just, just a weird one, but anyway. Next, it, is, it is weird. Next one, useful, useless. This is Michael Porter Jr. Pro. Highest E field goal, effective field goal percentage in a season for minimum um, 19 points per game 68.3% was wilt. In 66-67 season, next on that list, 64.6, Michael Porter Jr. last season had the second most efficient 19-point-per-game season in NBA history, Pro. Stats, useful useless?
1: <sighs> I fucking hate E field goal percentage. Seriously, I don't even know what it is, and I fucking hate it. I know sounds It's just good, too though. many it's fucking
0: it's numbers. E. It's E. It sounds good. E yeah, field goal e. percentage.
1: Yeah. Effective, e, There's know, some e-sports. sort of bullshit
0: calculation where they, they, you know, makes, misses, divided, plus, minus. Yeah.
1: E- hey, Bogues, E-I-E-I-O. Who the fuck cares about <laughs> what, what E-Field Goal percentage? Uh, I say useless because I'm, I'm taking a stand against E-Field e Goal percentage.
0: Okay. Good to know.
1: What about you, folks?
0: I think, I think it's useful. I think just yeah. when you, when you um, chat about the max contract, that's what they probably would have presented to the to the uh <laughs> to the timber nuggets. Yeah. When they offered him just a little bit under the max, say, hey, if you'll go a percentage, get it over the line. It uh, might have worked. But no, it's, look, it's impressive for a young fella. At times, sure. The only reason I, I was shocked by it and why I put it in was because at times, he, you know, at least two seasons ago, he used to come in and take some ill advised, crazy shots, man. Like <laughs> he was just like
1: Yeah, he lives on a diet of that shit. But, but that's what I'm saying. Know, the I, fact
0: that he's he's yeah. Got those numbers for e field goal percentage. Um is, is pretty impressive. But anyway, last one, highest career three point percentage with at least forty five hundred attempts. I don't know if you've looked at the list, bro, but who do you think number one would be?
1: I'm gonna go with JJ Reddick.
0: He's in there. Steph Curry's number one and he's obviously still <laughs> oh, active. Forty ah, three point three. What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. But Kyle yeah. Corva's in there at forty two point nine and then JJ Reddick at forty-one point five. So that's uh, useful or useless, pro.
1: Um Oh, shit. I'll say it's useful. Now, do you, do you want to say that? I'll even flip the question on you, bogues. JJ Reddick has the highest field goal percentage of anybody in the league that I've ever blocked on, on social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's, is that a useful or useless stat?
0: I wonder if you got your, your half apology on the pod a couple of weeks ago.
1: No, nah, fuck that. Fuck no. But, you know. I'm still not going to do it. He is. Hey, he did retire too. We should probably yeah, uh, point actually.
0: that out. Yeah, he did actually. He did, he did, he did. J yeah. Redick he he retired, fantastic career, fantastic shooter, and he could probably be the one of the best shooters of all time to be blocked by Mike Procopio by accident that he went running on, on the block.
1: I heard he said that fat piece of shit fucking blocked me. That's it, I'm done. My career is over. If I have a piece of shit like that blocking me, I think it's time to hang it up. So fuck that shit up, you know. This game ain't worth playing anymore. Fuck it. Half, valid, half valid
0: point. Half valid point. That's yeah. a, that's the stats for this week. The Q and A was. Uh we fired a few blanks. So we had that via the call-in app. We didn't really have anyone um, join to ask a question. We had listeners. So with the call-in app, you can join to listen live, but you have to actually join a queue, which there's a button on there that lets you join a queue to ask a question, which would then be live on the podcast. So it was a little bit um, little bit janky. So what we'll do leading up to next week, we'll do the same. It'll be the same process, but I'll, we'll put out some videos on, on how to join. The call-in app is, is very, very cool. So a lot of different podcasts on there. I urge you to download it. Call in all the one word, C-A-L-L-I-N. It's an app on a phone, so you can't do it via computer. But it, it allows you to engage with podcasts, listen to them live, join a room, ask questions, all that kind of stuff. So, we're trying to move our Q&A portion there just so it's a bit more real. We hear um, all the quirky voices from around the world actually ask us the question and discuss the question in person. It'll be a really cool tool once we can get it firing. But I hit and a miss this week, Pro. What
1: would you say, Box?
0: said a hit and a miss this week with the Q&A, but um, we'll hopefully hopefully get oh, it fired.
1: without question. Somebody's getting fired. Somebody's getting fired this week.
0: <laughs> it is I'm afraid it's
1: me, but somebody else will get fired.
0: Yeah, it is a new app. So, I'm, I'm even getting used to it, but we've we got to put out some videos f- so people can figure out exactly how to use them. But it is going to be a really, really cool app, so people should really check it out. Um, there's not just Rogue Boys, but numerous different podcast platforms, and, and we're trying to move it all there just so – the podcast flows nicely and we can hear everyone's wonderful voice. And I'm sure some, a few people that will have a bit of abuse for us, um, from time to time, but that's how it goes. So, okay. Story time, we're going to finish with here. I wanted to do pro. I'm sure you, you, you probably have some good stories, but our first training camp, we're leading into NBA training camp. I want to do our first training camp, something that stuck out from you and, and myself. And I'll go first. Um, I, I mean, I came in as a number one pick, a lot of pressure, and I, I just remember how, how hard those camps were, but then. Once I was in the league and knew what to expect, they weren't I don't think they were as hard as I thought. I think mentally, they just really drained me going into my first ever NBA rookie camp. A lot of nerves. And I think that wore me out more than the actual training, if that makes sense, right? So, back then, it was much tougher. You had two-a-days. Um, they just brought in the rule, I think, a year or, year or two before I came to the league pro, they brought in that rule where you couldn't have two contact sessions a day. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So, you could only have mm-hmm. – you could have uh, – most teams back in the day would have two contact sessions. You'd have a 10-12 and then like a 5-7 at night for five days of training camp and guys will just be getting fucked up like, like by like third third, fourth day of camp most of the veterans would be out they, they would be able to train, they'd be knocked up, back spasms, this, that. So the union put in a rule saying you can still have your tour days but one of them is a, a contact session where you can scrimmage and, and wrestle and do all that stuff and then the other one's more of a kind of offensive set so because it was the first or second year of that a lot of coaches were pissed with it, right? They were like, no, this is, this is bullshit. Okay, cool. So our second session was just running, man. He goes, you guys can't do contact yet. We're going to respect the union's wishes. Get on the line. We're going to do some conditioning. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? So a lot of guys were pissed about that. That was my first memory, but the one that stuck out was I, um, my veteran was Joe Smith. <laughs> Former player from, from Maryland. Um, went to the DJ. University. Yep, yep. Um, and really, really good veteran. Really, really kind of a journeyman towards the end of his career, but really good player. Um, did, did play in Golden State for a number of years, Minnesota with Kevin Garnett and then finished his career. You know, um, towards the end with I think Philly and Milwaukee and, and a few other teams. And um I remember str- I think I was sitting there pre pre the first session, we're doing our warm-up and then we did you know, back in the day they used to do the sit-down stretching in a circle. <laughs> that's that's gone out mm-hmm. the window now. It's all active, active warm-ups. I don't like you sitting down, but we we're sitting around and and I think Joe Smith looked at me and he's like, You're right, young fella. And you could see that I was like half nervous, like, <laughs> holy fucking shit, it's my first NBA training camp. I'm like, yeah, man, shit. Like, um, you know, this, this is, yeah, it's going to be tough. First training camp, you know, kind of a little bit nervous. And he's like, he goes, take it from me. This shit will fly by and you'll be looking back in 15 years like I am and, and, and you won't believe how quickly it flies by. And, and you know, you stupid young guy. Like, shut up, man. Like, what the fuck would you know? Like, I'm nervous as shit. Like, I don't, I don't believe you. This is, this session feels like it's going to go forever because it's my first training session. And, also he was right man like I'm, I'm what 16 years after that I look back and it looks like it feels like it's gone by it's the clear of my fingers so that was one thing that stuck out for me pro my first training camp with the Milwaukee Bucks what about yourself what was your what was your first training camp where you were actually you know fully involved and on the floor and, and employed and, and what stuck out
1: well I'll tell you what stuck out I lasted 48 seconds on my first um, my first training camp before I was kicked out of training camp so I was a scout for the Celtics so I got hired, my first year I got hired late. I got hired in uh in like October, November. They had me like live with Vin Baker. I told you that story before on the pod. So I my that wasn't my first official camp because I missed it. So the next year, the coach was Jim O'Brien. He was sort of like, I don't know if you knew Jim, you know, he coached at the end before Vogel and he coached at the Philadelphia 76ers. He's like a Bill Belichick, like really like, you know. He like, he walks down the hall and like plants die and stuff. And you hear that, the tune from Darth Vader coming. And he was like a rough dude, man. Like, you know, he's just one of those old school coaches. So, yeah, I was scouting. I don't know what I was, you know, I didn't know where to go, whatever. So I was just used to going to game, you know, like breaking down film and stuff. So I said, all right, I'm going to, you know, check out camp. He like looked at me out of the side of his eye. Cause like in our facility, it was like a one court facility, small. Um, like open but small and I, I just I was standing on the steps and you could barely see me he looked up and he goes hey get the fuck out of here and go back to your fucking cage and I literally 38 seconds after I just sat like walked down the steps so I had to waddle up the steps and get the fuck back to my cage so I missed all the training <laughs> camp because he told me because he's one of those guys he, d- he didn't want anybody in there except like Ainge and like you know if you're an owner and stuff he's fine But like a low totem pole guy like myself, that was my first official training camp. And I was told to get back to my fucking cage. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll go back. And that was it. That was my training camp.
0: Rightfully so. I felt like telling you that via the podcast numerous
1: times. (laughs) Yeah, I got one right next to me. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's
0: episode 36. Welcome back, pro. Welcome back to all our listeners. Appreciate all the support. Make sure you share and like and do all that fun stuff that most people say you need to do to keep this podcast pumping. And we will hopefully catch you next week. And just a reminder, please download the calling app if you want to participate in the Q&A and get your voice on the airwaves. Thanks. Thanks, Pro.
1: Thanks, folks. See you guys next week.